0: Welcome to the World War I History Podcast, produced by the MacArthur Memorial. We invite you to follow us on Twitter at MacArthur1880 or find the General Douglas MacArthur Memorial on Facebook. This podcast was sponsored by the Ernst and Gertrude Tico Charitable Foundation. When World War I began, the famed historian, sociologist, and civil rights activist W.E.B. Du Bois was at the height of his influence. When the United States entered the war, he encouraged African Americans to close ranks and support the Allied cause. Tasked with writing a definitive history of the African American soldier in World War I, Du Bois ultimately came to be haunted by his support for the war. His manuscript for that project remains unpublished. Today, we will be talking about Du Bois in World War I, and we are joined by Dr. Chad L. Williams, author of The Wounded World. W.E.B. Du Bois and the First World War. Thank you, Dr. Williams, for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: Can you give us a brief biographical sketch of Du Bois leading up to the eve of World War I?
1: Du Bois is truly one of the most remarkable individuals in American history. He lived a truly incredible life. He was born in 1868 in Great Barrington, Massachusetts, just a few years after the end of the Civil War. He dies on August 27th, 1973, in Accra, Ghana, literally the day before the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom in Washington, D.C., 95 years. Uh, And during that time, he was at the forefront of nearly every major issue facing African Americans and other peoples of African descent throughout the African diaspora. He was the first African American to receive a PhD from Harvard University. He was a pioneer in history, sociology. He wrote 22 single authored books, uh, wrote hundreds of articles and editorials. He was one of the co-founders of the NAACP and laid the groundwork for the modern civil rights movement as we've come to know it today. He was editor of the NAACP's news magazine, The Crisis, and by 1917, when the United States uh, enters the war, uh, but even before that, in 1914, when the war uh, erupts uh, in Europe, he is truly at the height of his influence and seen as one of the most uh, respected voices Um, in the country when it comes to uh, the question of African-American rights uh, and progress.
0: After the war begins in Europe in 1914, in May of 1915, he writes an article in Atlantic Monthly entitled The African Roots of War. I thought this was a really very interesting piece he did. Can you tell us about his thesis?
1: Boyce followed the origins of the war from the beginning. Uh, from its eruption in August of 1914, he thought very deeply about it, and he was very prescient in recognizing the origins of the war and the imperial conflicts in rivalries amongst the various European belligerents, looking specifically at Africa and how it was the quest for empire, for colonial territory, exploitation of Africa, its human and material resources that fueled uh, the rivalries between Germany, England, France, uh, the other European countries involved in the war that eventually led to this explosion in August of 1914. Uh, It's a remarkably clairvoyant thesis, quite frankly, one that historians today um, are still fully coming to terms with, centering the the history of of empire and colonial exploitation of African-Americans and other peoples of color at the heart of why World War I erupted.
0: He's very quick, it seems, to identify Germany as the greatest threat to individual freedom around the world at that time. Why not other colonial powers? Why not Great Britain? Why not France? Why Germany?
1: I think that's a great question. And Du Bois certainly felt that all the other countries involved in the war, especially Great Britain, especially France, uh, Belgium, they all had blood on their hands as well. Uh, But he saw Germany as a particularly grave threat. It's important to keep in mind that Du Bois was very familiar with Germany. He spent two years uh, between 1993 and 1994 studying at the University of Berlin before he received his doctorate. From Harvard University. Uh, So he was very familiar with German nationalism, German militarism, and the particularly unique threats that it posed when combined with the type of racialist thinking uh, that was at the core of German imperial uh, conquest and its uh, colonial practices, particularly in Africa. Uh, so we can think of Germans, uh, Germany's colonies in East Africa, particularly um, in uh, Southwest Africa, the brutal massacre of the Hereros uh, in the early 1900s, from 1904 and 1908. So he saw Germany. And it's very unique blend of nationalism, militarism, and racialism as being a distinct threat to uh, democracy um, on a global scale, but also particularly to the futures of African peoples.
0: What is his initial reaction then when the U.S. enters the war in 1917?
1: As I write about in my book, Du Bois was a pacifist. Uh, He was against war, uh, in theory. But when the United States enters the war and when Woodrow Wilson makes the claim that the world must be made safe for democracy, this resonates with Du Bois, who deeply appreciated the value of democracy, especially as it related to the hopes and aspirations of African-Americans and other peoples of African descent. He also had a deep appreciation for the Black military tradition and the potential of war to serve as an engine of social political and democratic change, thinking about the contributions of African-Americans, for example, to the Civil War, when they gained uh, their freedom and ultimately citizenship and voting rights. He imagined the Great War, as it was already being described at the time, as serving as a similar moment, but on an even grander scale. So he really put his credibility on the line, set aside his pacifist principles to state claim to America, to state claim to his country in the belief that if he served his country, if African Americans served their country, they would be rewarded with greater citizenship rights and freedom at the end of this conflict. Du Bois writes about in his famous book, The Souls of Black Folk the double consciousness that African Americans experienced of being Black on the one hand and being American on the other. He believed that the war had the potential to reconcile those two warring ideals, as he described them, and for African Americans to be seen as fully 100% American.
0: Is this reaction tempered at all by the violent race riots that then occur in the summer of 1917?
1: Certainly, throughout the summer uh, of 1917 and beyond, Du Bois had to strike a very delicate balance between, on the one hand, supporting his country, supporting the American war effort, while also speaking out against racial discrimination, racial violence, and the ongoing atrocities that African Americans were experiencing. So, for example, in July of 1917, a horrific race riot, really a program, erupts in East St. Louis. Hundreds of African Americans are killed, brutally slaughtered. Du Bois speaks out uh, against this uh, atrocity. He actually travels to East St. Louis and investigates what happened um, with, his, with his own eyes. He protests along with other African Americans in New York City during a silent protest parade. Du Bois at the front of the march. But all the while, he is still supporting his country. And this really speaks to the incredible challenge that African-Americans faced uh, during this time of trying to assert their Americanness, uh, while at the same time trying to use this as an opportunity to expand um, democracy uh, as it related to their experiences uh, in the United States.
0: A previous episode of the World War One podcast focused on Colonel Charles Young, now Brigadier General Charles Young, a distinguished African-American officer who was very controversially sidelined during the war to prevent him from leading troops and to prevent him from becoming a brigadier general at that time. Young appealed to Du Bois for assistance. Can you tell us about this?
1: In my book, The Wounded World, I talk extensively about the relationship between W.B. Du Bois and Charles Young, who was one of Du Bois' closest friends. Uh, He considered Young to be a shining example of Black military success, of Black manhood, and the possibility that African Americans could indeed support their country and support their race simultaneously. Charles Young was in line to be promoted to a general based on his legacy of heroic service Um, in the United States um, military, Uh, but he was retired prematurely for very dubious health reasons. Uh, Du Bois took this very personally, and he led the charge to try and get Charles Young reinstated. Ultimately, he was not successful. Charles Young was conveniently reinstated uh, when the war came to an end uh, in 1919, and he accepted an assignment to Liberia. He died two years later, and this was an incredibly painful moment a tragedy for Du Bois and a very harsh reminder about the failed expectations and and disappointments of of the war.
0: In July 1918, despite the case of Young and despite examples of racial violence and inequality, Du Bois calls on the African-American community to close ranks with their fellow citizens and make no ordinary sacrifice by supporting the war. Is this well received?
1: As I write about in my book, the close ranks editorial that Du Bois wrote in the July 1918 issue of The Crisis was arguably the most controversial editorial of his career. He encourages African Americans to close ranks, to close ranks with their fellow white American citizens and the allies, to forget their special grievances, to forget, at least for the time being, racial discrimination, Jim Crow all the different challenges that African Americans are experiencing and support their country. He is criticized like no other moment in his career up to that time. His harshest critics accused him of being a traitor to the race. And this was something that Du Bois had never experienced uh, before. And he would really regret that editorial and the message behind it for the rest of his life. Um, And as I write about in my book, He approached the writing of the history of the war as an opportunity to try and explain why he supported the war, why he encouraged African-Americans to close ranks and to try and find some redemptive value in this uh, horrific conflict.
0: You mentioned earlier that he had great respect for African-American military service and military history. He has an opportunity during the war to serve as an officer in the U.S. Army. He also writes closed ranks right around this time. Do you think it's a coincidence, the timing of the article and the army possibly offering him this commission? And then could you tell us what eventually derails his military service?
1: So as I argue in my book, the "Close ranks editorial and Du Bois being considered for a captaincy in the military intelligence division were absolutely connected. Du Bois knew that him, serving in the War Department, in the Military Intelligence Division, would arouse suspicions uh, about his loyalty and about where his allegiances lay. There were already concerns about the Crisis Magazine, uh, which he edited, uh, and if it was sufficiently patriotic. So he wrote Closed Ranks with the intent to make sure that his loyalty, that his patriotism was 100 percent clear, that the position of the Crisis magazine was 100 percent clear in the eyes of military intelligence officials in the War Department. This made the controversial even more controversial, um, made made uh, the editorial that much more contentious uh, when the facts uh, surrounding it came out. Um, the controversy that ultimately uh, erupted was responsible for derailing uh, Du Bois ultimately receiving uh, the commission, uh, which in the end he considered was the best decision. But he still had to contend with the fallout, uh, the backlash surrounding it. Uh, and that was something that he continued to address throughout the interwar period and beyond.
0: When and why does the NAACP commission him to write the history of the African-American soldier in World War I?
1: As I write about in my book in October of 1918, the NAACP board of directors made the decision that Du Bois would be in charge of writing a history of the Black experience in the war and specifically the experience of African-American troops. Du Bois was a scholar, historian, sociologist, so he was immediately intrigued by the possibility of this project. But he also took it very personally. He viewed it as an opportunity for redemption of sorts, to demonstrate that the war was indeed worthwhile, that African Americans got something out of their sacrifice in supporting uh, their country, but also to use this opportunity to write the history of the war to demonstrate his continued leadership and relevance in the wake of the closed ranks controversy.
0: He goes to France to gather information for this work and to talk with African-American troops. Walk us through what we know about his research for the book, and then tell us why it was never published.
1: Tracing Du Bois's steps in France immediately after the armistice was one of the most interesting parts of writing my book. He spends three months in France from December of 1918 to March of 1919 uh, at the height. Um, Are at the beginnings of the Paris Peace Conference. He organizes a landmark Pan-African Congress in February 1919. But his principal mission, as he described it, was to begin work on the history of the war and to investigate the conditions that African-American soldiers and officers in particular experienced in the American army. He meets directly with Black soldiers and officers. He visits the encampments. Uh, he tours uh, the Western Front. He literally goes into the trenches and experiences uh, the horrors of modern warfare. He hears from the mouths of Black soldiers and officers the horrific racial discrimination that they experienced in the American army at the hands of their own white fellow officers. And he is shocked. Um, This moment really begins the um, ongoing disillusionment that Du Bois reckons with throughout the interwar period of the hopes and aspirations of uh, the war, but also steals his commitment to writing about the history of the war and doing so in a way that is unflinchingly honest, right? He commits to writing this history over the next two decades. He spends countless uh, amount of hours writing chapter drafts of conducting research of soliciting foundations and philanthropies for support, but ultimately is not successful. And as I argue in my book, his inability to ultimately finish what would have been one of his most significant works of history reflects just how difficult it was for Du Bois to make sense of the war and to reckon with the failure that it was.
0: Any final thoughts on him and World War One?
1: World War I is one of the most important moments in W.B. Du Bois's life. This is what I argue in my book, The Wounded World. World War I transformed Du Bois politically, intellectually, but also on a deeply personal level. Uh, du Bois, by the 1940s and 1950s, is a committed anti-war activist. And in order to understand his evolution, his transformation from supporting World War I, Two by 1951, facing the threat of imprisonment by the federal government for his anti-war beliefs, we need to understand how he reckons with the very messy history of World War I, through his attempts to write about it, but also his attempts to address it on a personal, political, and intellectual level uh, as well.
0: Thank you very much, Dr. Williams, for joining us today. And the book is The Wounded World, W.E.B. Du Bois, and the First World War. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, suggestions, or comments, we want to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at MacArthur1880, on Facebook as the General Douglas MacArthur Memorial, or you can email MacArthurMemorial at Norfolk.gov.